Welcome to Conversations at the Well. I'm Kim Pino, and every week, my daughter Caroline and I discuss life's issues in a multi-generational, Bible-centered conversation. Our goal is to connect women of all ages and backgrounds to Jesus, the living water, and to each other. If you're looking for a place to be refreshed in a world that seems to be running dry of truth, you've come to the right place. So pull up a chair, have a seat, and join the conversation. On today's episode, we are going to be doing something a little bit different, and we're going to be answering some questions that were brought to us by one of my great friends via her Young Life Bible study. So these questions, the majority of them came from the sophomore girls a Young Life Bible study at Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. So shout out to you guys. Uh, we love you, and thank you for um giving us your questions, and we hope that we can provide some biblical clarity on those questions that you've given us today. And I'm really impressed with the the depth of the questions that these sophomore girls were asking. Yeah. The way in which we're going to answer these somewhat come from our experience, but our experience that's backed up by the Word, the Bible. And I also went to what I call my go-to mentors on online, people that I know that have really good sources and resources for finding things. So I've read through some articles, all of those, as we always do, anything we mention on the, on, in the recording, in the episode, we're going to put in the show notes so that you can link to it and dive in and read a little bit more, learn a little bit more if you want to about it. First question. So the first question that somebody asked, she said, how to develop a relationship with God? A good question. And Another thing that I found when I was trying to answer a lot of these is that I kind of wish I had the person in front of me because I thought there needed to be a little clarification to some of the things that they ask. So I'm going to answer it in the way that I kind of understood it, hoping that this is what that person actually meant. But I think we have to start, first of all, to say that a relationship with God, apart from salvation, is not a relationship. And so that may not be where this person was going, and I'm going to go beyond that. But a relationship with God has to begin with the acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Savior. So once you have made that decision... How do we develop that relationship? Because I think in today's world, there's a lot of Christians who are saved. They have that salvation. And that's where they kind of think their relationship with Christ ends. Right. And I love this article that I pulled up from one of my go-to places, which is desiringgod.org. And the article that I read, this is what the person wrote. Salvation is not just about having our sins forgiven and escaping God's judgment. God doesn't simply save us from sin and death. He saves us for something. Our relationship with God is not simply an objective fact. It is also a subjective experience. Faith in Christ brings us into a real two-way relationship of joy with the triune God. And I know, Caroline, you, you had something you wanted to say just about our relationships with God, how we view that. Right. Um, I feel like in talking to my own girls, my own Young Life girls, um, and in talking in our mentorship group and just to people in general, I think so often we treat our relationship with God as if it's any different than our other relationships. Um, And I think that the most important thing to remember about a relationship with God and with the Trinity, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, is that such an important part of our relationships 
is spending time with that individual. And not only time uh, praying to God, but time listening to the Holy Spirit, time reading about the things that Jesus did in his life. And only through spending time with all three parts of the Trinity can we really start to feel our relationship developing. Um, and I think you can you can see fruit in your life, um, and that can be a sign that your relationship is developing, whether or not you see the fruit of joy, the fruit of self-control, the fruit of gentleness. But when we start to feel that feeling of uh, closeness to the Trinity, that's when we can know that, you know, we're starting to spend the right amount of time with God. Yeah. So how do you really do that? It's intentional. A relationship with God is as even, or maybe even more intentional than the relationships that we build with people here. I wrote this down. Human relationships can't progress without knowing each other on an increasingly intimate level. If you think about your best friend, and we should think about God as our best friend. He's our creator, our father. But your friendship with your best friend didn't start out as deep as it is now. It has become more intimate as you have watched through life and you have experienced each other and you've gotten to know each other better, right? So it's no different with God. Praying is the way that we talk with God. And then an element that I think has been lost in our evangelical Western American church is worship, but worship, not just on Sunday morning when you go to church, but worship of God continually because worship acts as an agent that helps recalibrate our relationship and our position to God. We can only worship the things that we give power and authority to. Mm. And so daily worship of God realigns the, our right relationship with him in that he is the one who we worship because he is the one who we give all authority to because he has that authority as our creator and as our father. Mm, that's great. So thank you so much for asking that question. I hope that that answer has clarified some things. The next question we got was, can a toxic relationship get better? Uh, one thing that immediately came to my mind um, whenever I you know, read this question is we kind of have to think about what really constitutes a toxic relationship versus a relationship that is not built on truth. I think a lot of times we have friendships with people or relationships with people that don't share our same core values, our same core beliefs, that being whether it's Christianity or whether it's just other views that we hold and other ideas that we that we hold really high in our lives. There's always going to be a disconnect between you and your the person that you are in a relationship with if those core beliefs and values are not the same. And, and I want to differentiate between an unequally yoked relationship and a toxic relationship. And I know you'd, you had uh, had another second part to that answer that kind of talks about why toxic relationships between two believers can happen. I do believe that you've got toxic relationships, even between two believers. That absolutely can happen. And so I found myself in answering this saying, okay, well, let's, let's first of all, look at what toxic means. If we call something toxic, there's this element to it that it is impure. 
that it is poisonous. It's something that is destroying or has a destructive property to it. So I think when we look at relationships, what's the poison to every relationship? It's sin. Yeah. And so unrepented sin and then selfish motivations are what I believe make relationships toxic, even between two believers. Yeah. So the first the first way I think to approach that is to say the only way, you know, that you can make a toxin like poison better is to purify it. You have to take whatever it is that is causing death and destruction out of it. And the only way to address sin is to individually uh, work on it and to be willing to do that. Yeah. The purifying agent for sin is repentance, but you can't repent for somebody else's sin. Mm. So there has to be communication between two people, but you've got to start on yourself because, you know, we're not, the Bible says we're not to, you know, point out the speck in, in our friend's eye when we have a log in our own. Yeah. So I think that introspection that causes us to make us look at what's our part of the problem. What's our part of the disconnect, the toxin in the relationship to repent that. I think the purifying agent for selfish motives is confession. Again, that requires that you're introspective, that you ask God to reveal to you where your motivation in this relationship is not based on what's good and lovely for someone else, for your friend or your boyfriend or whoever it is that this you're in relationship with, but where you're in this relationship for your own gain. Relationships are always going to fail if you're basing it on what you can get out of it instead of basing it on what you can give into it or mm. put into it. Yeah. I think that so well flows into the next question mm -hmm. uh, because there are times in which you, you reach a, a breaking point on your end of the humility, on your end of the confession, your end of the repentance. If you've done all that and somehow this relationship is still not working, you might find yourself asking the question, when is it time to let somebody go? Yeah, and I think that in our culture, and certainly maybe within the church, the Christian culture, this idea of grace and kindness and love, and that we all, and that we must always be kind, gracious, and loving, even to the point of what I'm going to call being a doormat. Yeah, which we are a little bit of get a little give a little bit of context to when you say the word doormat. That's a phrase that was used a lot when I was growing up, but to let somebody walk all over you. Yeah. To let somebody mistreat you. And I want to clarify here and say, we're not talking about a, an abusive relationship. If you are in a relationship where somebody is being verbally or physically or emotionally abusive, you need to get away. You just need to get away. You need to, you need to seek help. You need to seek counsel. And you need to get away from that relationship. What we're talking about here is more of the friendship seems to be deteriorating. It's just for some reason, I just need to, this relationship is not good for me. And so when do I know to let go? Or at least that's how I'm going to read in, into this. And so I think, again, when your friendships become something that is not life-giving to you, but instead is causing you grief, causing you mental, emotional struggles, then maybe it is time to say, I need to create a boundary. Yeah. And I would like to say, this is what I've always told Caroline, don't burn bridges. I don't really think there's a reason to burn a bridge, like to say, I'm never, ever going to speak to you again. What some might call cutting someone out of your life. When we do that, what we, in, 
what we have in fact said is, I believe you are beyond redemption. Mm. And I believe this relationship is wrong, beyond redemption. And then we've made a judgment call that really only God can make. Yeah. Because I know our God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. And while we need to create boundaries so that we aren't being taken advantage of, we aren't suffering while that person is maybe being brought back into a right relationship with God and therefore can be brought in back into a right relationship with you. Right. In saying that, before you're going to invite somebody back in, they have to be able to, and you need to expect that they're going to be able to show evidence of that changed heart. Yes. That you, while maybe opening up that boundary a little bit, aren't going to throw it wide open. But that you're looking for and expecting, yeah, the the fruit of a changed heart in them. And I know in my own experience, but I also know in in watching Caroline, while she was especially in high school, (laughs) and she went to the same school from kindergarten through her senior year. So there were relationships that were difficult where she had to create boundaries. And some of them even right now still working into college where God is bringing back some friendships, not at the same level as they were maybe in middle school or high school when you were friends with this person, but because you didn't close the door, you didn't cut them out, you didn't shut them off. As God has continued to bring these people back into your life, you're seeing the fruit of what God is doing in their life. Yes. And that relationship is is different but is beginning to bear fruit in and of itself. Yes. Instead of ending a relationship, what you've got to do is just create a boundary. Yeah. And and sometimes that boundary means I can't talk to you. I can't text with you. I can't hang out with you. I can't whatever for a while. Yeah. The next question says how to center your life around God. I loved, I loved this question. It's so heartwarming to hear this question coming from a sweet girl who is 15 or 16 years old. And it, it, it makes my heart happy and it makes my heart hurt in some way that, you know, I wish I was that 15 or 16 year old girl who was longing to know how to center my life around God at such a young age, even though I'm only five years older I think, gosh, if I could have spent five years running after God, five more years, oh, maybe the work I could have done or or something like that. But it's so encouraging to hear these words and this question coming from somebody who is so young. Yeah. The only way to center your life around God is to let him be in the middle of everything, Mm. which sounds like such an easy and almost like trite little answer, but it's not. But there is no way that I know other than to do that. Again, I think our culture wants us to believe that you can compartmentalize your Christianity. And we have a lot of people who are Christians, and I believe that they're saved. I'm not questioning their salvation, but they're following the model of the culture that says, I'm a Christian on Sunday, and then I'm me on Monday through Saturday. But that's not placing God at the center of of everything. They make God the guiding factor on Sunday, and then they really think about his will for them the six other days of the week. And so if we're going to make God the center of our life, then we have to put him first in everything. I wrote these down as must, because I do believe it's, it's a commandment. You must know God's word, not just memorizing it, but internalizing it and applying it to your life. 
Second, you must make your decisions based on the roadmap of God's word. And I don't mean, what am I going to eat today? There's nothing in the Bible about that. But in terms of bigger questions, who am I going to choose to be friends with? Who am I, what am I going to choose to watch? What music am I going to listen to? Even though those might not seem like big questions, they are. The answers to them and the choices you make off of them are big decisions because what we choose to spend our time on, what we choose to spend our money on, our resources, what we choose to allow to come into our brains and therefore into our hearts and into our souls, make all the difference in the choices we will choose. When you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, and that is God himself in you. And so I've got a decision to make. I want I want God to be the guiding factor. The Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you. It's the nudge. Most people don't hear the spirit. I can say sometimes I think I have heard the spirit. <laughs> Maybe that's because I'm a little stubborn and he had to really get my attention for me to hear it, but I've heard the spirit. But I do know the more I'm in God's word, the more I'm praying with him, the more we're doing in everything we said in the first question and developing our relationship with God, right. the more the Holy Spirit, we should hear and sense him nudging us from the core of who we are out to what we're supposed to be. And then the last thing is you must give God control of your thoughts and your actions. That's good. So our next question reads, how to bring faith slash Jesus into your dating relationship? Mm, I wish I had known this answer (laughs) when I was 15 or 16. (laughs) I would have made a lot of different choices. Had a lot of less heartbreak, I think, had had I really understood what God wanted from my dating relationships. So here, here's where I want to go back to talking about that being equal, equally yoked. And I also have a, some great advice that my mother gave me. Number one, dating should not be viewed as a mission field. There are a lot of things that in our life, you know, we're to be in the world and not, but not of the world. And Christ did say, go out, you're the salt, you're the light. We are to shine his testimony. We're to tell other people of him. We are to make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. But that's very difficult to do in a dating relationship because our emotions take over. My mother told me, you don't have to marry everyone that you date, but don't date anyone that you wouldn't want to marry because our emotions do take over. And our hearts get attached. And so once we've formed those attachments, we will make decisions that we know God would say we shouldn't. In order to preserve, in order to preserve that relationship because our hearts are attached to them. So don't date unbelievers. That would be number one. Now that doesn't really answer the question of what do you do once you're in a relationship? Because it's hard if you're in a relationship with an unbeliever to bring Jesus into the middle of that relationship. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. You can't expect your boyfriend Uh, to understand or respect your boundaries or your values if they don't share your same belief system. And so you've got to be walking along the same path. You've got to both know Jesus in order to invite him in. Once you have invited him in and your boyfriend has invited him in, then I think there are definitely ways in which steps that you can take. Yeah. Um, So moving on to some of those steps that you were talking about, 
the biggest thing is that we would value our relationship with God over our relationship with our significant other. This is something that is that is really easy to do when you're both chasing after him with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is going to be really difficult to do and something I've seen in my own friends and their relationships where one of them is putting God and his will first in their life and the other is putting either you know their own will the happiness of their significant other over God's will in their life um and the bible talks about this it says one of the great commandments mark 12:30 you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this would be the first step to putting Jesus or faith into a higher spot within your relationship and how to invite him in to that relationship would be valuing your relationship with God and God's will for your life and obedience to that will over your relationship with your significant other. Yeah. And if you're both doing that and you're encouraging each other in that, then I don't think you're going to come into that imbalance where you find all of a sudden, oh, you're spending, you're spending time with each other, but you're not spending time with God anymore. Because if both you and your significant other have placed God as the priority, then before you've met each other for the day, you've met with God. Yeah. And you've got the direction that you need. And you're allowing, as I said in an earlier question, you're then enabling the Holy Spirit to be the one who's really giving you the dating advice. Yeah. (laughs) And then the best dating advice you can get would be from the Holy Spirit. So once you've done that, then I think the second thing is you've got to surround yourself with people that you trust that will hold you accountable, hold you accountable in your relationship with God, but then in this relationship that you have with this other person. I read in an article, I thought this was so great. It's a little long, but I'm going to read the whole thing because they just say it so beautifully. Only people who love Christ more than they love you will have the courage to tell you that you're wrong in dating, wrong about a person, wrong about timing, wrong about whatever. Only they will be willing to say something hard, even when you're so happily infatuated. Most people will float along with you because they're excited for you, but you don't need a lot more excitement than right now. You have plenty of that yourself. You desperately need truth, wisdom, correction, and perspective. The Bible warns us to weave all our desires, needs, and decisions deep into a fabric of family who love us and will help us follow Jesus, a family God builds for each of us in the local church. Mm. Our natural inclination is to want to spend all our time with whoever we're dating, to the exclusion of anyone else. That's natural. That's what that infatuation wants. You can't spend, you can't wait to spend time with each other, getting to know each other. But when you do that, you're isolating. You're isolating yourselves from the body of Christ, which God put there to help you to help to have the community to keep you accountable. And you are playing into the playbook. You are you are doing step number one in the playbook of Satan, who came to isolate us. To isolate us as individuals or to isolate us as couples. Mm. You know, I see this same problem happen a lot of times with, with married couples. They're in a honeymoon and all they want to do is be with each other. And they're not stepping into the place that they should have within the community. Mm. So they're not, they're not, they don't have accountability. Plus they're not giving their gifts back. You know, God created you as an individual to have a part and a role in your community. 
And when you are choosing to step out of that community because you're giving all your time to someone and only someone, then you're depriving your community of what God planned for you to do in that community. Yeah. And you're also doing some burning of bridges of relationships, especially if you're not married. Okay. So we're just talking about dating. You're just dating. You're burning some bridges with your friends who have been there before and you would hope would be there after if all of a sudden now you have no time for them. So you have to be really careful that you're inclusive in your dating relationship, that your relationship becomes inclusive in your other relationships yes. and definitely within your church community so that you do have those people who love you enough to say, I see maybe what you can't see or what you're not willing to see. I wanted to give a little bit of encouragement because I see so often what that article was talking about, uh, where there are the friends who will just float along and say anything to make you happy. And then there are the friends who will tell you what you don't want to hear because they care enough about you. If you're that friend, which I have been before, it's really hard. And I just want that article and my voice now to give you encouragement to keep speaking truth in love to that person who needs to hear it. And I know it's hard and I've been there and I feel your pain, but you are loving that person more than anyone who just tells them what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Yeah. And the last thing you want, if you really do love your friend, is if that relationship should come to an end and you end up hurt and they tell you, I never really thought that person was right for you. This is what I saw. This is what I, and they didn't speak it to you in the middle of it. When it could have mattered, when it could have saved you from that heartbreaks. Yeah. Um, was that really being a good friend? Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our questions. And I don't know about you, but I've loved doing this. Yeah, I like this type of um, do it again. This type of episode. So if you have a small group or just a group of believers that you gather with, we would love it if you would send us an email. Our email will be linked down below. Or if you would comment on one of our posts or send us a DM through Instagram or on Facebook at the Well Facebook page. Uh, and just send us in those questions. We'd love to be able to do another one of these episodes and to just make the Bible more applicable to our everyday lives, which is um, a huge part of mentoring. And I'm so excited to bring this new aspect of the podcast and of the ministry and get to really interact with the ones who are listening to it. Thanks for joining us today on Conversations at the Well. We hope your soul was refreshed. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review and subscribing on your favorite platform. Right now, this ministry is doing work across borders. If you want to find out how to get more connected with the well, visit the link in our bio or check us out on Instagram at Well Women's Ministry. Make sure to join us again for the next Conversation at the Well.